not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting, mobile-rific episode of Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight as we talk about yet another episode of Gundam Build Fighters. And also joining us tonight for this episode of Build Fighters is another one of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you give a shout out, man? Hey, what's up guys? This is Tony. I may be sick, but I'm not dead yet. Woo! And joining me tonight is my partner in crime, my fellow Gundam enthusiast. Why don't you give a shout-out, buddy? Hey, it's Mike. Miss Aina, why? Why? Yeah, that, that's basically where we pick up. We pick up where we left off with Isla's betrayal. And this is funny, because for me, I, I'm, I'm like, this is where the Japanese throw out, like, the ultimate condemnation. You know it's serious, serious business. Like, you know things, the shit is real when somebody in a Japanese program says, I will never forgive you! Like, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's like, when something gets translated that way, whatever, whatever that bit of of Japanese language, like, actually means. Like, I'm sure it translates probably a little warped for, for English, because I don't, I don't think as an English-speaking person, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I'm like, dog, you have ripped up my pillow for the last time. I will never forgive you. You know, like, it, it must... It, in, in Japanese, I figure it's something like you like can't take back, like like if yes, you said like yes. I hate you to like someone or something, right? I don't right. Know, or yeah. It's more severe, I'd have imagined. Yeah. No. Clearly, yeah. It seems like it's very, very severe. And and he even brings up the the honor and pride of his royal house of Aryan. So he's again dropping the knowledge of his his location and everything. And then on that line, like Chairman Mishida again drops his wine glass and he starts shitting his pants. Like this is basically what he feared. He he was like, this boy is the prince from Arian. And he, he gives like his full, like his full, like Dr. Doom name or whatever. He's like, Aria Von Reiji Asuna, you know? So it's like, it's like he's got the Von in his name. So he's a full on like Latvarian royalty member or something like that. 
So has has every ragey we've seen so far been a ragey bot? Or uh, I, I think any ragey that that loses is a ragey bot, <laughs> right? Like I, I think that's how it works, you know. So whoever whoever uh, was piloting the beginning Gundam at the end of last episode that like got killed in one hit was a ragey bot. That was definitely a ragey bot. So we we cut back to the little rascals gang. And they're trying to wrap their heads around the whole Ina, Isla, betrayal, fake-out deal and everything. And Mao is suggesting that, you know, maybe it's because she was ashamed, you know, at how ruthless she fights and everything like that. And then Sai and Kosaka, like, they're kind of like, they kind of have a hard time believing that this little girl that they just met, you know, that was kind of doing the whole moonlighting thing with Reiji, like eating the food and all the enjoyment she had with life. Like they kind of have a hard time believing that she's the same fighter that sort of ruthlessly destroyed the, the wing Fenice. And then Niels Nielsen suggests that maybe the system she's using, like that she has a special system and that's what could be, you know, the, the cause of, of her personality shift and everything. And then I think, I think it's Mao, or I forget. Somebody brings up, or maybe Niels Nielsen brings up the Berserker system from G Gundam, and this is something we should definitely talk about because they say no, 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 because that would be against the rules. And I know, like we we had an episode before where we were discussing like what could the rules possibly be and how they worked and everything. Now this this is like blown a whole new hole in my head because I'm like, wait a minute. So, so the Blue Destiny system is okay, but the Berserker system is against the rules. So I'm kind of like, I kind of want, like, I want, like, you know how, like, in Star Trek, they've got the Ferengi, like, rules of acquisition for the Ferengi? Like, they actually wrote a book, like, basically, and they collected all the rules from the various episodes, and then they, like, filled in the blanks and made up their own rules, so you can go through the book and read, like, all 96 rules of acquisition. Like, I want, like, the rules of gunpla battle, or, like, the rules of serious (laughs) business book, or whatever, because I want to know, like, how come the Berserker system is no good, but it's okay for the Renato brothers to use the Blue Destiny system. I don't <laughs> or or how come you can use Transam but you can't use the like what's what's wrong? I mean, I, I don't know. maybe it's cuz it affects the the pilot themselves and not just mm, the suit. Okay. But okay, like even okay. that like it still doesn't make sense cuz like isn't the exam system isn't that like in fiction doesn't that affect the pilot like so, like, how does that, like, translate to just using it as, like, a model, like, enhancement or whatever, you yeah. know? I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I, I, want, I want the rule book. Uh, I want to know what's up. Like, even, even if somebody has to translate all 96 rules of Gunpla or whatever, I would, I would enjoy that. I don't think we were hoping for a fight like this. That's right. We fighters understand. The only way we know how to express our feelings is through our fists. So, Alan B., I've got no interest in fighting you now, since at the moment, you're fighting without your soul. This, to me, is boring. Don't moan. That's crazy. It's dangerous. What? Nonsense! Berserker mode, full power now! Ragey is still kind of pissed off about the whole betrayal thing, and he doesn't really give a shit what the reasons are, like why she's done it. He's he's very, you know, he's 
clenching his fists and he's all kind of gritting his teeth and he's angry and everything. And we end up cutting to uh, a scientific team. Well, I guess it's really just Dr. Nine and this other scientist, but they're monitoring Isla's health and they're trying to figure out like, well, how come everything went so astray in that last battle? And one of the guys in the lab coat suggests that it's probably due to psychological issues. And Dr. Nine is not a, a lummox. He's not a Durr character, so he quickly susses out that it's kind of, he basically figures out that Isla is into this little boy, Ragey, and, and, and he basically kind of blows it off like it's a, you know, basically he, he says it isn't worth it to lose over a little crush, is, is basically how he, he puts it and everything. And we, we get some flashbacks with Dr. Nine and how he first meets kind of like a hard knock Isla, you know, kind of. We, we had some glimpse of that, like in previous episodes where we could see she was she was kind of living on her own on benches, park benches, and she was basically homeless and everything. And it, and it seems like she she's made some friends since then uh, in terms of the flashback progression. And they're all sort of wowed and astonished that she can predict gunpla battle. So she just kind of sits there and says, look, the red one's going to win. And everybody's like, you were right. Like, how did you know? And everything. And she kind of explains to the doctor too, who's also very interested in how she can predict the moves and everything. And she lets him know that basically she can observe the particles, the Plofsky particles, like, and she can see the ebbs and the flows and how they're going to move and what they're going to do. And so that, that basically launches this whole endeavor to, I guess, capitalize on, on her talents and, and use those in, in gunplay battle, like, so that she can predict how to win and basically make her this, this unbeatable fighter. So that leads to the creation of the Embody system, and basically the scientists are trying to, I, I think she was like at an 87 percentile sense of accuracy, and they basically created that system to make her 100 percent accurate. And then going back to the rules thing, they even bring up like, hey, they're, they're kind of like, is this going to be considered against the rules? And And it seems like it kind of would be considered against the rules because because they kind of say, well, we can get around it because to everybody else, it'll just be this cool little cosplay suit. But when she puts it on, that's basically it, it's only designed to interact with her personal select talents. So I, I guess anybody else, it doesn't really do anything other than, you know, it, it's an article of clothing. But when she puts it on, because of her talents to see and observe the Plofsky particles, then all of a sudden it becomes basically a, a sort of sneak ace weapon, you know, uh, ace up their sleeve and everything like that. Yeah, I guess uh, it's akin to using performance enhancers, I guess. Yeah, or yeah, I yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like using steroids, I guess, like in that sense, or 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 kind of having like. You know, I, I guess it, it'd be the difference of, like, taking an exam without a calculator and having a calculator there, or, like, having, you know, certain advantages based on, you know, it, it, to anybody else, those pair of glasses that you were wearing just looked like glasses. But then if you write all the answers on a Google Glass, like, view screen or something, 
well, then, then it's, you know, it's cheating, you know, so I guess it's kind of comparable to something like that as well. Hold it. What is it? You couldn't have finished maintenance on those suits so fast. Huh? Mr. Wong, I'll come back soon and show you. You won't be able to defeat the enemy like that. That ain't your business, Granddad. Shut up. How dare you? Damn it! Reiji is basically busy punching trees when your bro, Ricardo Fellini, shows up. And he shows up to kind of goad him into a fight. Because I guess he's trying to prove a point. Like, he's trying to prove a point about how you, you shouldn't fight angry, almost. You shouldn't fight... You know, if, if that's your only reason to fight out of anger, then, then it's not going to be any good for Gunpla and stuff like that. And in the middle of that, we cut away, and there's another flashback. So since this is basically Isla's episode, and it's very Isla-centric, you know, there, there's all these flashbacks that deal with her backstory. And it, it's kind of like a flashback, and it's kind of like a dream, because, you know, Dr. Nine is there, you know, again, not to be confused with Christopher Eccleston, but this is just this guy named Nine, who is Isla's handler and everything. And this is after the previous flashback where he learns how she has the ability and then after they make that suit and she's tired and in a bed and she's tossing and turning and she's basically tired of all this gunplay shit and she's like look i've had enough like all this training all this bullshit like i want to quit and he's not having any of it and he says look you want to go back out into the fucking street and live in a bench and just be a homeless bum fine then you can quit you know and and then she's like no 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 i don't want that so basically that's kind of how she's she's tied to these people for her security and financial well-being and everything like that so she has no choice other than to kind of go through all their little tests and and gun plus stuff and she basically wakes up because like you can see it sort of devolves into a dream where she's doing all this training but she sees you know ragey in the gunpla suit and it, it's almost kind of what she wants to happen you know she wants to live a life with ragey but she can't because she's sort of indebted to this this company and everything I guess they get past child labor laws or something like <laughs> I don't know like <laughs> it was like yeah, what did they just kind of, like, take her off the street and, like, uh, fake all her, like, you know, papers or whatever? Yeah, I mean, they. well, I mean, if, if she's on the street in the first place, who's to say she's she's accounted for on paper? So, I guess, yeah. when, when you don't exist, right? Like, I mean, in that sense, like, I guess they can, you know, it, it's sad, but, you know, they, they obviously were treating her like an object in that previous episode, especially when they, they pumped up her embody levels, you know, whatever that is, you know, endorphins or, you know, whatever they're doing. And, and there didn't seem to be much care or concern for her as a human being. It was like she was just a thing, you know, a, a piece of property or something like that. So, you know, it's not like it's a, a nice business and everything. And and speaking of that, you know, the, the doctor, he, he kind of can sense what's going on. He already knew that you know, Reiji was probably the cause of all her moral dilemma and confusion. And he's basically just saying, look, if it's hard, you know, you just got to close your eyes and you got to think of it as business. It's not, you know, separate, you know, your, I guess, pursuits and pleasure and love and all that stuff. You got to separate that from business. And that's, that's kind of what he's pushing her to do and everything. And then, and then we cut to 
Gunpla Idol Kirara, who is actually patching up Ricardo Fellini after his off-camera fight with Reiji, and she's chastising him, but Fellini's saying he really did it for himself and also for Sai and Reiji, and, and he did it so that they can enjoy Gunpla, and, and he kind of wanted to get through to him because he says that his words weren't reaching him, so I guess the only way they can communicate with each other, much like, I guess, G Gundam fighters, you know, is, is through their fists! You know, that's like, that's how they talk, you know? It's like, it's kind of reminds me of the, uh, the Toku Thursdays episode I did on the, the, the Sentai common Rider, you know, Metal Heroes thing, where it's like, they, they have to have this whole conversation, but every other word is them, like, slapping and punching each other in the face, because it's like, you won't, you won't understand unless I hit you and say it, you know, so. <laughs> it must be a Japanese thing. Like, well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do some bright slaps, you know, for, for yeah, people I to guess. know where you're coming from, you know, it's you gotta like... do some some Fellini punches so, so people can understand you. You know, Reiji, Reiji is the fiery young Japanese lad, but, but he's also probably pretty hard-headed and stubborn, you know? Like, he's, he's not always going to take intellectual advice. You know, Sai seems to be the one who's more about strategy and all that kind of stuff, and, and Reiji's one who's kind of more apt to, like, fly off at the handle and be more enraged and emotional and all that kind of stuff. So that's probably, you know, it's like sometimes that's, you know, it, it's funny because sometimes, you know, it's like when you get in fights with folks, you, you you can go one of two ways. You can either get, you know, make your voice really low and kind of like, listen, you got to listen to me. Like, I'm really serious now. You know, I'm getting much more lower than you because I'm a calm and rational individual. But then, then some of the other option is like, you'd be like, try to out, out yell them, you know, like people have to yeah. be like, all right, shut the fuck up. I'm talking now, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like that's the route that, that Fellini went where he's like, listen, you're not going to listen to me like in a rational way. Well, then I'm going to smack some sense into you, you know, send you, send you to the moon, Ragey, right to the moon. Yeah. I, I, I was just saying like, it must be a Japanese thing, because, like, I, it's like, I don't follow that logic. I'm like, you know, if, if, so, if, say, we had an argument, and, like, all of a sudden you just punched me in the face, and I'd be like, I'd be, I wouldn't be like, oh, I understand you now. Like, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like, uh, you're, you're, you've never had that experience where you hit somebody in the face, and they're like, ah, oh, you are right. Thank you for showing me the error of my ways. Wait, don't kick me. Don't kick me. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess Fellini's words might not have gotten through to Reiji just on his own, but the way the story presents it, through the fight, he, he actually sort of may have made Reiji stop and, and consider how he's going to act next. Because I think before he was very determined and bound to just defeat her and kind of abandon her, and that was the end of it. But now he's kind of questioning, you know, what what should he do? And, you know, Sai's got some stuff going on, too, where he's thinking about how he can help as well. And it's all really kind of super serious at this point. Miss Baker is telling Chairman Mishida in another scene not to fret because Isla is basically undefeated to this point. So even though he's all super concerned that Reiji is going to make it to the 
the world tournament, you know, make it to the last round and everything. Miss Baker saying, oh, you don't have to worry about it because Isla is undefeated. And then uh, the day of the tournament, it's kind of weird because China or Kosaka, she actually shows up and she wishes Isla good luck. And she brings her this good luck charm. And and even Isla, like, they're, they're all kind of taken aback by it, even Dr. Nine. But Dr. Nine's just like, you're going to have to learn how to please the fans, Isla. You know, so it's like, he's like, you better just wear that charm, which will later prove to be their undoing. So... Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and basically, like, when the tournament's about to start, you can see China's there, and she's giving Psy the signal. It's like, he gave us the signal! It's like fucking Commissioner Gordon or whatever. <laughs> but, like, they basically, like, China's, like, you know, giving, her, give, giving him the signal and everything, and so now he knows that that charm, this little gem, has been planted and everything. So he knows everything's all set up to go. And, you know, Reiji has this conversation with Sai before they begin the match, and he basically says, like, I mean, it might sound kind of stupid the way I wrote it down in my notes, but it it made sense to me when I watched it, but basically he's like, I'm going to turn off my brain, like, I'm not going to think about this anymore, which, which, uh, I mean, it does sound kind of stupid when you say it out loud, but, but I think... I think the the idea of it is he's he's letting go, you know, in, instead of being Hamlet and kind of just thinking it to death and overthinking things and getting all bent out of shape and worked up over the betrayal and how's he going to handle it and what's he going to do, you know, it's almost like he just he lets all that shit go and he's like I'm just gonna yeah, I'm just gonna have a gunpla fight. fight, yeah, yeah. you know, so so that's that's kind of what what he's about when he's going into this confrontation. And I was all excited because there was a literal moonlight butterfly cameo, and the Star Build Trek almost stepped on it. But the little moonlight <laughs> butterfly, like, flies away and stuff. So I thought that was cool. And so you've got the Q-Blay versus the Star Build Strike. It's the, the super dramatic match that we've been waiting for since we, we first saw that that Reiji and Isla were kind of having little dates, little things going on. We knew we knew this was coming, and and it's finally here. So, what did you guys think of the fight, guys? It was pretty good. I liked it. I mean, you know, uh, you definitely got that whole, uh, you know, uh, earlier, uh, Sai, you know, mentions the uh, Berserker program from uh, G Gundam, and it really is like that, you know, it's basically like, you know, we go to make this bitch crazy. So she kills people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, even Dr. Nine, you know, again, not to be confused with Christopher Eccleston, but doc nine basically is like, I'm tired of all this womany bullshit, you know? <laughs> and he just kind of amps up her, her in body levels to maximum because, you know, she, she's obviously stopping herself from, it, it's kind of like those moments of, of, you know, I don't know if it's me, like, saving face for certain characters, but to me it was, like, a lot of those moments where, dude, Leo totally killed Raph in that fucking battle, like, three times. He just... He just didn't pull the trigger because it's his brother, you know? And it's like, it's kind of the same thing in this. It's like, it's like the Q-Blay, like, totally owns the star build strike, like, two or three times, even though the build strike is like, okay, you know, they're fighting very strategically, they planned for the clear funnels, and, and they had this kind of special paint in their ammo, and it basically highlights them so they can easily destroy them. But even after they do all this kind of strategic stuff, it's like, basically, like, she almost, like, stabs them, like, two or three times and everything, but because she's pretty much 
in love with Reiji, like she she stops herself from doing that, and that's why the doctor just basically maxes out her her endorphins or you know whatever's going on there and stuff. Well, you, we you, also wrote out. Were, uh, you were talking about like the rules of Gumpla Battle. I kind of want to. Like I want to know the technical like aspects of Gumpla Battle. Like like how did look? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like how exactly did Psy put like paint in like the Vulcan shells? Like you know, did he use that. like a, a like a mi- electron microscope or something to like like load those things up or something? I I don't know like how that works exactly, but it was it was kind of like the uh, Renatos in their exam thing. I was just like. So tiny. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing that was kind of interesting is we kind of uh, get more of an idea of how the suit works with Isla because apparently it, it allows her to see the Plavsky particle field around people. Yeah. And that way she could actually – that's that. she's not so much psychic or she doesn't have like any kind of new type powers – she could just see, like, the field disruption, so she knows how her opponent is going to try to hit her. That's how she could dodge, which was, that was kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's very much a precognitive fighter, you know, and, and we've discussed that in the past. I think I brought up, like, comparisons to, like, the Cassandra Cain bad girl or, like, Midnighter from The Authority. You know, there are all those type of fighters where they can sort of, you know, predict how somebody's going to fight, and then because of that, they're going to defeat them. You know, so and and I guess there's examples of that in in Gundam too, right? With the what what's that suit from Wing, Mike? The 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 Epion. The Epion. You know, like there's there's examples like that with with Wing Epion as well. So yeah, I, I guess we should go ahead and get to the part where. Reiji taps into the heart of the cards. And <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the fight's really not going well for, for Reiji and Sai. And, and like I was describing before, there's there's cases where she nearly impales them quite a few times. And in this last instance where it looks like they're almost done for, you know, Isla's charm begins to glow. And, and you get the idea that it's basically tied to the same charm that's on Reiji's bracelet. And then, of course, the little rascals gang all comes to the conclusion, like, "Oh, this is this is increasing the Plavsky particles and everything." So they're they're all kind of seeing this event, <laughs> you know, it's like this phenomenon that that occurs in the middle of the battle and everything. And then and then it's kind of interesting because the chairman, who was so afraid of of Reiji and and the secret that he's going to uncover, even. The chairman has a gem in his pocket watch that's also affected by the the phenomenon. So th- so all these things are like glowing and everything. And Majin Kawaguchi actually refers to it as the light of the heart, which I guess you know, heart of the cards, light of the heart. You know, yeah. There's there's lots of stuff like that going on, Tony. Yeah, and yeah, and the chairman totally freaks out. He's like, oh, you know, <laughs> he's like, oh, how could this be? It's over nine thousand, you know. And then there's there's kind of a you know an Amaro Ray La La Son kind of you know new typey moment when when this phenomenon occurs because it I guess you know I guess it goes back to the original episode where you know basically like Psy made the wish you know like so it's like now I guess it's it's Isla's turn to make that wish you know that she doesn't want to be 
indebted, you know, she doesn't want to be an indentured servant to this, this company, this corporation anymore. And, and she's just wishing for help from Reiji. And so they actually get to have this, this conversation with one another on another plane and everything. And I, I thought this was a pretty touching scene, you know, like, cause I think, I think the idea is, you know, Isla's kind of like, oh, this is hopeless. Like, uh, you know, the only practical way for me to live is to be indebted to these people for the rest of my life. And Reiji's just kind of like, no, no, fuck that. Like, come live with me, you know? And then it's kind of funny because cause they're like, well, do you have a place to live? And he's like, no, I, I kind of live with Sai, so come live with Sai. You know, <laughs> like, it's it's cool. Like, we'll, we'll all live together. Like, it'll be fine, you know? So, but I mean, I mean, besides that, like, it gets funnier later. But I mean, that, the, the, the... I guess the the genuineness and the the sort of I, I I don't know it's it's just the the selflessness of that you know kind of like hey you know come you know come live with me you know like the, it's it's easy you know and even though we've gotten hints about it it's finally fully totally fucking revealed that Isla's pretty much homeless she doesn't have anybody and you know just like Constantine is a gutter mage like you know Isla's a gutter gunplug player you know. So. <laughs> Like the funniest part to me, but the part that made me crack up was when they kind of fade out of that scene, and like you know, Reggie's like, "Why didn't you just like tell us? You know, you could have explained it." And like, I was like, "Yeah, but you know, if if I, you know, if we if I we fight, I'm gonna beat you, and then we can't be like friends anymore." And then Reggie just has like this reaction where he's like, "Huh? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I'm gonna win." Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like, can't, just, they can't. just the delivery of that aww like huh like what <laughs> like step off like lady like uh, I'm gonna win like baka 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 oh. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that discussion we had a long time ago about uh, would you want a uh, a girlfriend that shared your your interests you know like especially like it's like oh what if you had a girlfriend who could kick your ass at Street Fighter you know it's like would you really want that you know, like, and it's like, he's like, like, you cannot kick my ass at Street Fighter. Like, I will defeat you at Street Fighter, you know? Yeah, there was like a point earlier in the fight where, like, Reiji's like, oh, Sai, I can't hit it. And I'm like, oh, you're going to hit it. Because they like each other, you know? <laughs> all right, all right, bad sexual joke. <laughs> when they're properly, what you mean to say, Tony, is when they're of proper age... And in a committed relationship, they will hit it. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're true, 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 true. I well, always you know, forget. They always forget they're like fourteen. <laughs> right, right. And and even Kirara is like laughing about it because at this point, like she's totally not on the embody system anymore, but she's still sort of ready to fight with with Reiji just based on. It, it's almost like that scene that they had in the diner. Where they were, they were kind of fighting with one another, moonlighting style has now been transitioned into a gunpla battle, and and it kind of leaves like the entire audience like almost dumbfounded, where everybody's like, "We're watching like, well, Kirara spells it out, but she just basically says, is this a lover's spat?'" And and Fellini's kind of like, "I told this kid to enjoy the battle, not flirt his way through it." You know, like, so, so it's kind of this funny thing where you pan across the audience and everybody's just kind of like, we sort of feel uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean, Isla this whole time, she's been like, you know, this deadly, serious, quiet competitor and killing people and, you know, just like being ruthless. And now she's literally dancing on the field like, you can't hit me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
and she's she's actually having fun with gunpla for the first time instead of being this kind of machine like thing, you know. Like, I, I also love when she tells off the chairman and yeah, his grandson, yeah, that's great. like you know, if you want to win, like at this thing, then play it yourself, kid. Like, yeah, that's yes, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Ragey does the same thing to Sai, though. He's like, you know. Start of the RG thing. He's like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, hi. <laughs> like, so basically, the the episode's fight concludes with the burn knuckle. Uh, you know, overwhelming Isla with uh, so many of the Plovsky particles that she can't really actually see anywhere to dodge to. I guess it's just a matter of overwhelming that talent. You know, basically, you know, there's so many directions you can go in, but if, if, if basically he, he, it seemed like that attack just made it like there was no place to retreat to, and then Reiji and Sai, of course, win the match. And then, of course, in the after credits, it again returns to funny, funny, ha-ha business when they're catching up with one another, and then... You know, they're basically revealing, like, oh, yeah, I, I said that uh, Isla could stay with us. And it's like, Bwah! you know, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a good fight, though, because, I mean, you know, as we've progressively gotten into more bigger fights, they have to give a good reason why Ragey and Psy keep winning. And the fact that Isla probably was going to win, but she defeated herself because she didn't want to do that anymore that's kind of a good out for her because, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. Yes, yeah, you know, it's not just like, you know, oh, no, they overcome the heart, you know, with the heart of the cards. It's like, no, she actually didn't want to fight that way anymore, you know? Yeah, it, it's a more plausible reason why the match goes the way it does. Yeah, definitely. I wish uh, the only thing I'll say is, like, I think maybe the translation was a little off, but I wish they made it a little, like, clearer. I, like, the way, like, when Isla, like, they rush at her with the build knuckle or whatever, and Isla's like, oh, don't, oh, I'm going to see it coming. And then she sort of says, like, when the, the particles, like, start to, like, increase, she says, like, what? I can't dodge it? Like, like, maybe, like, I was kind of like, you can dodge it, you just can't see it. Like, you know, you can dodge, you just won't know where it's going to land. But, uh, I don't know, it just seemed odd. Oh, you're, you're saying, you're saying, since she, she could have just guessed. Like, she yeah, could have exactly. just tried she just to dodge. Stood there, she stood but, there and took it, basically. I see, yeah. I see. Yeah, but I, I, think, I think the idea, though, I think the concept was, it didn't matter where she dodged, that attack was going to hit her anyway. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I don't know. I don't know. The, that, the that, that's was, like, that's yeah. how I took it. Like maybe, maybe like what you're saying, it is right. Maybe the translation didn't get that across, but that's kind of that's kind of how I took the visual of it because it, you know the the way they kind of display the way she can view it somehow. But then it's true she wasn't wearing the helmet either, so maybe it's like kind of weird. Like, can she still do that? Maybe it was only the eighty-seven percent accuracy version, so maybe she was, like, screwed up without the helmet. Yeah, because when uh, Strike was going for her, it, it, it almost looked like, you know, the model was in, like, a, a, a sheet of snow instead, you know, it wasn't, like, flowing with it, it was just, like, a big old wall coming at her. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but uh, this this also, like you, you mentioned, Derek, this also does shed, shut up, set up the fact that uh, Chairman Machida definitely has some kind of link with Reiji. Yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm still I'm still wondering where that's all going to 
to head to exactly because you're 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 just kind of wondering like well he's got he's got a particle as well I guess or a gem you know so so and 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 you know I guess there there is that nature to it of the the heart of the card stuff where you're like oh well isn't that convenient that it happened but you know it, it it's it's a good I mean, for the most part, it was a good way to, like we said, kind of plausibly resolve the the undefeatable opponent, you know, because yeah, well, kind of put put her back down on on her own level instead of being on that kind of super godlike level. Well, yeah, I think like pretty much every Gundam show is is saved for like a handful. They usually throw in some kind of mystical stuff at some point, anyway. So yeah, yeah. At least Isla didn't like die as is like as most of those characters usually do like the tragic like new type right, girl right. or whatever yeah yeah, well, yeah like, I, I think, oh no my suit overheated oh, i'm dying yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i i think i think given the nature of this show and that it's yeah. it's a tournament you know I, i'm thinking like I, I i know there were a couple instances where i was like oh i hope mr rawl doesn't actually die in this but it seems like once you got past a certain point like i think by this point in the show's run i'm pretty confident like no one is going to die especially because their suits explode all the time and then it just yeah. cuts back to them going like gunpla battle finish you know or whatever and you're like oh they're fine it's like it's just their model is totally wrecked and that's that's the worst case scenario, like that somebody's model gets stomped into oblivion, you know? Yeah, oh, I've been doing a running count, and I think this is the fifth time that Bill Strike's arm has been ripped off. <laughs> it you does know, use its arm. That's, that's how think, it goes, like, man. He, he, they love using, like, the build knuckle, like, the, their finishing move, like, all the time. They just punch stuff to death. Bar I think, like, knuckle! I know it's like their finishing move or whatever, but I think like like the 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 director of the show or one of the staff writers was like, yeah, well, we know we like you know we probably overuse the build knuckle or whatever. Like they use it to solve like every single problem at us from a certain point on, basically. So, well, like you said, being being a big G Gundam fan, I'm I'm kind of fond of the whole burning build knuckle finger, so. <laughs> Whatever works, whatever works. I you know it's all going to be a Dusex Machina towards the end anyway. So it's like at least at least you know it's consistent. You know, like at least you know it's it's going to be that build knuckle that does the number on them or whatever. All right, well I, I guess that kind of wraps up our discussion on Gundam Build Fighters episode twenty one. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our little musings and discussions on Gundam Build Fighters. You can also find us on, we are on Stitcher Radio. We can be streamed there. We are also on iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us some feedback on iTunes. That's always appreciated. You can, of course, find us on the regular blog spot, the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. If you have any emails, comments, questions, suggestions, angry emails, happy emails, Gunplay emails, you can send them to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. If you want to do Gunpla, do it yourself, guys. Signing off. Hey, it's Mike signing off. And this is Tony. I guess I'm not so special after all. Signing it off. Awesome. You're special. Good white hair. <laughs>
ついてゆくハンパースペイ口笛吹いて帰ろう Never ending ハンパースペイ終わらないチャイフリー Oh, I was just going to say, I, I feel funny because I know we've got a couple episodes already in the queue and everything, but like we haven't really acknowledged the change of the year yet, you know, because we're, we're, you know, timey wimey and all that stuff.、Yeah. I feel funny though because like some, a lot of podcasts I listen to, they like took that into account. So like now all the shows I've been listening to are like, hey, happy new year. It's 2015. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like editing our stuff and it's like, yeah, next year there's going to be some, some cool stuff, you know? So it's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> 